Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. On this programme, we like to talk to a member of the church to find out about their life and the work that they do over the Christmas period and also how they celebrate Tonight I'm delighted to say that I'm joined in the studio by the Right Reverend Martin Gorick, Bishop of Dudley, and he joins me now. Good evening, Your Grace. Thank you for coming in to see me. Good evening, Clive. It's very good to be here. Thank you for delighted joining me. To see you. Tell me about the role of a bishop then in the Church of England, because it's it's um, it's higher than uh, uh, what I would describe as a conventional minister. Am I right in saying that? In, if we're going to talk about rank yeah. and hierarchy, if we're going to talk about, we're always awkward and coy about talking about hierarchy in the church, but. Um, if you look at it in traditional terms, yes, there is, I guess, a hierarchy. You could say the archbishops um, are the first among equals in terms of the bishops. Certainly, I'd see the Archbishop of Canterbury as my boss, if you like, and um, he leads the bishops in this country. Uh, but, of course, there's Anglican Church throughout the world, so um, there's other archbishops and so on. So he's not the only one, but in this country, in this part of the country, he would be our archbishop along with the Archbishop of York. So they would be the, the two most senior bishops. Um, and then each of the 41 dioceses has a bishop, a diocesan bishop, and then there's often assistant bishops, or, or suffragan bishops is the strange word, and that's oh, like me. Yeah. Uh, and then you get um, priests. I was a, I've been a priest for 20 35 years actually um, but a parish priest, a vicar for most of that time so I'm very familiar with that kind of level of being a priest if you like, being one of the ministers um, so we're we're almost like a vicar to the vicars if you like mm. um, if they're a vicar to their church and population, we're the people who support, pray for them, appoint them um, try and make sure they have what they need to do their job. So we're a, we're a vicar for the vicars, I suppose. That's how I'd see myself. Why, why then is the Bishop of Dudley part of the Diocese of Worcester? I mean, a lot of dioceses, dioceses rather, are huge. I mean, my friend uh, is, uh, is practising in the, in the uh, Litchfield Diocese, but that, that's vast, yeah. for example. Well, here we are in Black Country Radio, so I'm delighted to be a Black Country Bishop. And um, Bishop of Dudley, very proud to be that. Um, Dudley Borough, as you, you'll know, it has a population the size of Cardiff, so I mean, it's a really significant um, place in itself and population in itself. And about, or getting on for half the population of Worcester Diocese live in Dudley Borough, so it's a very significant part of our diocese. Uh, but in terms of area, it's a, a small part of the diocese, the northern part, and the rest of it is mainly Worcestershire. Uh, so historically, there wasn't a metropolitan borough of Dudley or Sandwell. Um, there were Worcestershire, Staffordshire, uh, Warwickshire really made up the bulk of the black country. Um, and so this section of the black country was largely Worcestershire. Um, so there's always be someone will say, well, my tiny bit of Worcester Diocese <laughs> used to be Staffordshire or something, so I apologise to them. Uh, but basically, this this kind of chunk... Uh, of Dud which is Dudley Borough Council area, Dudley Metropolitan Borough, that used to be Worcestershire. So church goes back 2,000 years in this country, so we tend to be rather 
you know, old-fashioned. So as far as we're concerned, this is Worcester Diocese. Um, Litchfield picks up quite a chunk of the mm -hmm. of the black country, as you'll know, places like West Brom and so on, uh, Wolverhampton, Walsall, and then Birmingham Diocese picks up Sandwell pretty well. So that's how that's how it's split up. So how many parishes and churches, if you like, do you have here in Dudley then under your jurisdiction? We have in Dudley itself, well, parish church, sometimes parishes are joined together in benefices. Mm. So we have about um, 35 parishes here in Dudley. Gosh. Um, so only 35 parishes, 40 parishes, but they encompass about 40%. Uh, of the population in the diocese but overall we have 273 churches so as you can guess from that most of our actual church buildings are out in very rural parts of Worcestershire mm. as well as towns like Redditch, Bromsgrove, Evesham, Worcester so um, yeah a lot of churches and uh, quite a lot of people what do you think, then, are the qualities of a good bishop that make a good bishop? Well, if only I knew, Clive, then I could, <laughs> then I could no, be that bishop. No, nobody's perfect. We, we <laughs> understand perfect. that, but, you know, I mean... Yeah. Well, I mean, they're called to lead, so you have to be somebody who's prepared to take a stand on things, to, but also to bring people with you. You know, it's no good saying, I am leading and nobody's following, so... Um, you have to bring people with you um, and to be able to set direction. Um, somebody once told me ages ago that, because you hear everything about what leadership's all about, and um, he said, well, there's only two things you need to remember as a leader, to say thank you and to point the way. Those are the two things. So I try and remember that every now and again. <laughs> Um, saying thank you is actually tremendously important, particularly to volunteers, to people who, you know, don't get thanked very much, um, to people working in difficult jobs, to people who are doing tough things to make life better for others, um, people who are carers, people who are unknown, forgotten. So I think saying thank you to our clergy who are doing a tremendous job at this time of year, but any time of year, um, to the volunteers in our churches who are running things like food banks, uh, refugee centres, running, you know, um, debt crisis centres, as well as um, leading churches where people can worship God and come close to God um, and to find stillness and peace in their lives. So saying thank you to them and pointing the way. So trying to seek uh, direction for the church um, in very, we're always in a very different age. You know, it's it's um, trying to bring people to God, God to people in a way that is lively and relevant, if you like, for today's world. So, speaking into that. So, I think saying thank you, pointing the way, is a good start. I could go on. You know, holiness, humility, hospitality, three H's. I think those three are very important. Um, but a, a bishop, many many years ago, Saint Gregory. The great said uh, the task of a bishop is to be a servant of the servants of God, um, if that makes sense. Mm. So a servant of the servants of God. I think that's what our task really is. So what are you personally responsible for in the diocese then? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. I bet, so, that's a, um, bet it's a long list. It's a long list. So within Dudley itself, I would take 
the responsibility for connecting with the community organisations and the council, if you like, in Dudley, whereas my colleague, the Bishop of Worcester, who's my senior colleague, Bishop John, he basically does that within Worcestershire. So the city council, the county council of Worcester, he would connect with, I would tend to connect with the council here. Um, so that's the civic side. And then church-wise, I look, at, look after with him jointly the, the 270-odd churches across Worcestershire and Dudley. Um, so visiting them, taking services, but particularly when they have vacancies, uh, looking to think who do we uh, appoint uh, to be the new priest? Is it the right shape of parish and benefits and so on? So I would do that especially for the Dudley parishes, uh, but also to some extent around the rest of the place. And then I have particular responsibilities for safeguarding. Uh, for I'm the bishop for education. I'm the bishop for ministry. So that's thinking who are our vicars of the future, if you like, uh, seeking out vocations, developing vocations, uh, meeting potential clergy of the future and all of that. So that's what they call the ministry bishop. Um, I could go on and on. I lead the Racial Justice Forum. Uh, I lead our work or help lead our work on climate justice, climate crisis, um, and net zero carbon, which we're committed to, to doing in the diocese and being by 2030, which is an amazingly <laughs> ambitious aim, uh, but one we're completely committed to. Um, and then I have national responsibilities to, um, I'm the vice president of the Christian Muslim Forum, for example, nationally, so I have particular interfaith connections and responsibilities and then I work on the College of Bishops House of Bishops, General Synod and so on nationally. Do you ever get time to yourself? That's a really nice question I'm glad you've asked that. I, th I think it's vital you have some time to yourself with your family uh, and with God, otherwise you become a very dull or a very driven person quite quickly um, so I try and have a quiet day actually um, once every four to six weeks and I go usually to one of our monasteries. We're blessed in this diocese. We have Glasshampton and we have Mucknell Abbey um, and we have a retreat centre, Holland House. So on Wednesday, in fact, this week, I was at Mucknell Abbey with the monks and nuns there and uh, had a blessed day. Um, there's a phrase from the psalm came out that morning, um, on God alone my soul in stillness waits. And... Um, you need days like that, definitely. What do you like about your role the most? Or what do you like about it, full stop? Not, never mind the most. Well, I was, I was ordained when I was 25 and I'm 61 now. So I've been a priest in the Church of England for a long time and a bishop for a relatively short time, four years of that. Um, so being ordained is the most wonderful blessing. Actually, I mean, it has really tough times. And you're often with people in really tough times, but that that's a huge privilege. Um, you know, I was reflecting just the other day, you know, the, you can be meeting famous people like our late queen or the new king, which is a great privilege. And then you can be taking the funeral of people who came on the Windrush, as I remember doing when I was a, a vicar in Smethwick and you know, meeting people who are, you know, foundational in that whole migration from the West Indies to come and work in our health service and industries of the West Midlands and to take funerals of people like that and to hear about their lives and what they 
the struggles they faced and how they've settled and brought up families and become, you know, such w valuable members of this society. Deeply moving and um, you can be with people at most joyful moments of their life and at the saddest and hardest moments of their life. So that's the great privilege of any priest, uh, bringing people to God and God to people, uh, witnessing to a God who is real and who loves them and being free to do that. You know, what a wonderful thing, mm -hmm. leading worship. Mm -hmm. um, but all, what I love the most is being with people. I suppose you can tell that. So um, as a bishop, you're not just in one place. You're spread, you're spread a bit thin, so it takes mm -hmm. you longer to get to know people. But, um, you know, it's, it's a fantastic thing. I was with um, Church's Housing of Dudley and District, Chad, as they're called, a brilliant, brilliant charity, who run domestic abuse hostel and services as well as services for um, people in need of all sorts. We had a carol service with them this week, you know, and residents and staff, and um, it's just such a privilege being with them as well as a lot of fun. Absolutely. It has to be fun. And, and you know, obviously yeah. you... you you take away certain things from from each sort of role that, that you fulfil, uh, you know. And I guess mm -hmm. when the time comes for you to retire, which isn't going to be any time soon, but there will be lots of reflections that you'll be able to to have and and things, I guess, to take away with you. It's a mm -hmm. question I can't really ask you because there is so much more to come. Yeah, no, there is. I mean, um, yes, did clergy ever retire? I mean, that no, you remain a priest. You, you remain a bishop like my friend's you die, basically. No, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You retire in different ways, you know, just different stages of life, isn't it? But, um, yeah, being with people, tremendous privilege. Um, serving the people of Dudley, I have to say, I find a, a great privilege. You know, I, I love the West Midlands. I love its people. Um, we're, we're looked down on by other parts of the country, and that, that makes me cross, actually. You know, I think, you know, these are great people. This is where the Industrial Revolution began. This is a centre of entrepreneurship and so on and we should be proud of that and think how do we take that into the future now although we are still in advent and i'm always very keen to make the distinction between advent and mm. christmas when do you start focusing on christmas um in the church generally and at what point does your workload go through the roof or that of your clergy probably yeah exactly well I tend to notice when the clergy are really busy, I stop getting emails. So um, <laughs> uh, that's... <laughs> and that happened about yesterday. So uh, I think yesterday was a turning point. Um, you know, instead of 70 emails, it's gone down to about 15. Crumbs. So that's a really nice change. So it's not just the clergy, it's, it's others in a way. They're all beginning to focus on, gosh, Christmas is just around the corner. Um, but clergy will have prepared for this, you know, actually weeks ago. And so they're, they're putting into operation the things that they and their parishes have planned, whether it's Christmas tree festivals, Advent carol services, all the community and school carol services and just activities. And then, of course, the big, big push. I mean, I used to be vicar of Stratford-on-Avon some time ago, and we used to have about 2,000 people just in, in the sort of 12 hours from 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve to um, the finish of the Christmas services, Christmas morning. At least 2,000 people you've shaken hands with and said goodbye to. So 
you know that and other other people have you know multiple churches you know so it might be they don't have two thousand people but they maybe have six different churches that they're trying to and everyone of course wants to feel they've had their christmas service mm. so um or if you're a hospital chaplain a prison chaplain you know you have other responsibilities for people who are often forgotten at this time of year um so for me yeah i've got and the busy time i've got a lot of family coming to stay which is wonderful and really looking forward to that but strangely my job as a bishop i would say is quieter on christmas eve and christmas day than it ever was when i was a vicar in a parish so that that's a weird thing you know i've Mm -hmm. had to get used to that so it's very busy leading up and then you know everyone's doing their thing really and I think this is the only the second Christmas in my whole life where I'm I'm not leading one of the main services. So, yeah, it's a stra- an unusual job being a bishop, but it's um, yeah a great one. It's clearly rewarding, uh, as mm. you've said. I mean, if you look at a lot of the shops, they have their Christmas merchandise in in September or August for some strange reason. Yeah. Um, and as I said, the, the period of Advent I think is is important. But tell me why it's important to the church. Because you, if you, you listen to the radio, I mean, we're playing Christmas songs slowly. Mm. Um, but Christmas doesn't start until Christmas Day. So you've got mm. this period, as you know, these, these uh, four Sundays in Advent. Um, so why is, that, why is Advent significant? Well, Advent means um, the coming or the arrival. So it's, you're getting ready for the arrival of the King for us, you know, which is Jesus. Um, remembering his birth at Bethlehem, uh, the coming of Jesus, um, the Lord, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God himself actually born amongst us um, as, a, as Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. You know, that's our belief as Christians. And that's a mind-blowing belief, you know, that you're, you're connecting with that. So a period of preparation is is natural leading up to that and for us that's the four Sundays um, before Christmas so um, this time Christmas Eve is a Sunday so we almost lose a week of Advent Um, sometimes it's almost a whole week after that Sunday until Christmas itself Um, but it's three to four weeks of preparation for Christmas so the beginning of that traditionally was um, a time of focusing on difficult things, actually. Death, judgment, heaven and hell are the four last things, we call them. Um, and in our Advent carol services, traditionally, um, there's that... We used to begin um, in total darkness in Stratford. The whole church was in total darkness. And then you'd, you'd have the first um, words were sung by the choir and then one light would be lit in the chancel. You just have that one candle light, which is, I was going to say it's electric, but that's the opposite. It's. Uh, I know what you mean. I've been to many a service at phenomenal. Litchfield Cathedral. Have you, uh, indeed. Very much like that. I bet that. they do it really well yes. there. Um, and then gradually that light is lit, you know, and candles are lit further and further into the church. So it's the coming of the light of Christ. But what you're celebrating there is light coming in the midst of darkness, Um, And gosh, we know how dark our world can be at times. And at the current time, you know, you you almost can't bear to watch the news, you know. And it's been like that for a long time with Ukraine and now with Israel, Gaza. Um, Horrendous things we can see 
far away but locally too so it's not about i mean it is about tinsel and joy and everything else but where that joy stems from facing the darkness which is what we do at the beginning of advent and then saying but that darkness does not have the last word evil does not have the last word it may seem to you know when jesus was nailed to the cross evil seemed to have Mm -hmm. absolutely had the last word um the lord of lords killed by human beings what but you know we believe in jesus risen from the dead um, and that story begins really in Christmas. So it's it's actually celebrating the light in the midst of darkness is what we do at Christmas. But you have to face the darkness first, which I guess is traditionally what Advent was about. Um, but I guess we find, you know, it was T.S. Eliot, I think, said uh, man cannot face too much reality. And... Um, we don't always like looking at the hard things, mm. death, judgment, heaven and hell. Uh, but that was what our forebears did. That's what our, our ancestors did. And that's still that traditional service of Advent beginning in darkness uh, is what that's bringing us back to. And of course, we then have the light on Christmas Day. Absolutely. And because there are 12 days of Christmas, mm. there are a number of festivals, aren't they, between what we would know as, as Epiphany. So you've mm. got, you know, the Feast of, Ste- Feast of St. Stephen, yeah. Holy Innocence Day. I'm not going in chronological order, am I? But we missed I'm, out St. John the Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> no, so, we have one but, for but, every but there's day. there's one for yeah. every day, isn't there? There absolutely is, post, um, post-Christmas. And for us, traditionally that's when christmas began you know began at midnight christmas eve and you know the midnight mass um still celebrated in many churches and then that was the beginning of christmas so again for our ancestors they would have been fasting pretty well up until then really certainly there were no mince pies or anything like that until christmas day itself um that's when it began so advent was a time of slimming down you know definitely um and you went without meat, for example. You didn't eat meat during Advent. So um, when you're celebrating with the goose, as they would have had, but turkey, we're more likely to have, you know, you were really, that was something you hadn't tasted for four weeks. So it it sort of brought it home. And then definitely you enjoyed the 12 days of Christmas, ideally. Um, But at least Boxing Day. Um, Poorer people tended to have to go back to work after Boxing Day, but Boxing Day was a big day off. Uh, for almost everybody so and certainly for vicars it's a it's a lovely day off i can tell you (laughs) so what's a typical christmas like for you and your family as you said you've got people coming to stay but um when do you when do you get to breathe that sigh of relief well that's lovely so for 24 years i was a parish priest so um you absolutely slogged away until um the end of the christmas morning service about an hour away from lunchtime christmas day and that's when you'd finish you know you'd say goodbye to the last person leaving church and um stagger home basically and then pick up with the family family christmas because you'd already been up at half past five with the children with their presents so you're trying to balance this dad thing with um with being Mm -hmm. a vicar of a church Mm -hmm. and uh, running a really major operation usually um but there's so christmas absolutely begins with christmas lunch we always have traditional christmas lunch i always cook the turkey actually that's always been one of my jobs make the stuffing um do the sausages the bacon all of that and then get the turkey into the oven so um 
There was one famous Christmas, you know, if you follow Delia Smith, you put it in on a hot setting, then you have to turn it right down. It was halfway through the Christmas service, I realised I hadn't ever turned that <laughs> oven down. <laughs> but luckily, in the middle of the service, we have something where we share the peace, where you shake hands mm-hmm. with each yeah. other and greet each other, and it's a lovely, joyous moment. Peace. So I made a beeline for my wife and said, you know, peace be with you, happy Christmas, can you go home and turn down the <laughs> oven? <laughs> Otherwise, we'll have no Christmas dinner. Um, so yeah, get home, carve the turkey, Get out of my clerical vicar's gear and um, just become a dad, you know, when mm. the children were young. And that was lovely. And then traditionally, vicar's quite likely to go to sleep on a Christmas afternoon. I think it's allowed, isn't <laughs> it, really? Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, as we approach 2024, what are your hopes for the new year? Well, I long for a country that is at peace with itself, uh, where everyone, every person is seen as a gift to the other. So I guess my deepest desire um, is for peace, you know, for, for peace in our world, uh, where there is such, you know, we've seen appalling things, the invasion of Ukraine, absolutely brutal, still going on for absolutely no good reason. Um, the horrendous things on October the 7th, the brutal Hamas attacks, the people still held hostage right now, you know, the terror they're living with and then the you know appalling and horrific um bombing and so on of gaza and the way so many innocent people are losing their life um based around you know age-old hatreds and so on which uh, we can be prey to in this country you know we've seen anti-semitic attacks uh islamophobic attacks on the rise um just we so easily split apart and polarize um, in this social media age. You know, things get mm. generated, magnified endlessly with the algorithms of social media. You get fed more and more of whatever's making you angry, and it makes you angrier and angrier. Um, somehow we've got to break through that, especially as we come towards an election, which we will be having next year, uh, and find a better future for our country. Um, a country where we are working together for a better, brighter, I hope, greener future. So it's peace in our world, peace in our community, uh, peace in our homes, peace in our hearts, I guess, as we celebrate at Christmas the birth of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, our Lord. If Jesus was here in person as Mm. opposed to spiritually, what do you think he would say about the world and how his birth is celebrated? Oh, gosh. Um, I think he'd have plenty to say about it. I think he'd be surprised, really, that everyone's making quite the kind of fuss they are about the birth of a very poor man born to very poor parents Mm -hmm. in an incredibly obscure, tiny village in an obscure town in the midst of the Roman Empire... Um, that never, be, nobody had ever heard of before. I mean, I was in Bethlehem in February, actually. Wow. So I have been <laughs> privileged to be in mm-hmm. Bethlehem the last, uh, you know, to a, a couple of times. Um, I think people lose sight of the fact that Mary and Joseph were refugees. Yeah, they were refugees themselves. Mm-hmm. They didn't come from Bethlehem. They came from Nazareth, mm-hmm. which relatively far away, if you're walking, so um, which they had to. 
So imagine, you know, that journey when you're heavily pregnant. They were made to go there by a foreign occupying power. Uh, the Romans, who were a brutal occupying power, you know, he certainly, well, Jesus in the end was put to death by the Romans. So, um, no, they were away from home, um, you know, having to travel, give birth, as we read in a stable or an animal shed. You know, it's it's not really the way a, a king no. is born. No. But that's, that tells us what kind of a God we worship, mm -hmm. you know, a God who is there with people in the worst of their lives, um, not just in the glorious times. So what would Jesus say now? Well, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. I think much he absolutely loves the world, <laughs> loves every single person. And to see some of his children, uh, their lives being destroyed... Um, the way that people are just so, at times, cruel to each other, hurtful to each other. Um, yeah, Jesus wept is what I feel this year. Um, certainly in Bethlehem, the big nativity scene in one of the places in Bethlehem is, is a baby in the midst of rubble. You know, that's the manger mm -hmm. they're thinking of this year. You know, not a sweet, <laughs> a sweet stable scene but a baby in the midst of rubble, which is a, is a reality um, for people, you know, in, in different sides of that terrible conflict, but other parts of our world as well, um, where missiles slam into buildings from Kiev to Gaza to Tel Aviv um, and just bring death and destruction. For what? For what in the end? So, um, yeah... I'd like to say something brighter, but I think Jesus would be weeping, really, is weeping at what's happening in our world. Um, but that's why we need the love of God in Jesus Christ more than ever. Right Reverend Martin Gorick, Bishop of Dudley, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Clive. Thank you, Clive. Wonderful to be with you. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 6 o'clock p.m. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by me, Clive Payne, and produced by Andy Caddick.